Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit simplecast.com. BYT Radio. My name is Brandon Weatherby. We are recording for Full Service Radio. We're inside of the line in the beautiful Adams Morgan neighborhood of Washington, D.C. BYT Radio records every Thursday at noon or close to it. Thank you so much, GTFO Radio. I really appreciate your being on time all the time. Jack, you want to say anything about that? I didn't think you were here. I I am always here. Have I ever been late? Never, not once. I was so confused why I was going over so late. Oh, yeah, it was my fault. No, it wasn't. That Allison doesn't know when to say when. Uh, By the way, Allison Lane is a wonderful person. She was like, I saw Brandon there the whole time. That's right. Uh, For the people listening at home, the, the person I referred to as Jack is producer Jack. He's a wonderful man that runs the line radio sorry full service radio out of the line i run the line you run the line you are actually that would be the best position to run a hotel people don't know you run the hotel but you're the guy that running the radio station you literally see everything that's coming through everyone bitches to you about the hotel uh-huh. that would be a wonderful you'd be like a secret shopper a secret diner which relates to our guest today. It does it does i'm so good at transitions uh byt radio stands for brightest young things radio british young things is a Arts and culture website based out of Washington, D.C. Newish slash oldish to Washington, D.C. is our guest today. He's the new executive chef of Momofuku CCDC. There's too many acronyms in this uh, title. Mm-hmm. It's Tay Strain, everybody. Tay, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks. Thank you for being here. Yeah, man. Tay, did I pronounce your name correctly? You did. Uh, how many letters do people think are in your name? Uh, they usually have no idea, but it's amazingly almost always mispronounced. What do people usually say? Tie. I, would say I was going to go tie. 90% of the time, it's tie, which makes sense, but still. And then strain is strain. Strain is strain. Yeah, you can't get that one wrong. But do people get that wrong? I think more than anything, they get confused by the fact that my last name is Strain. What do, well, yeah, what are, what's, what's that from? Yeah, so I am adopted. Uh, my family is extremely Irish. Really? Yes. Do you celebrate St. Patrick's Day? Every day of the year. They are exceedingly <laughs> Irish. I cannot even express that. They, my parents actually were just in Ireland like a month ago. We have family there. That We have a home there. It's pretty nuts. You have a home in Ireland? Yeah, it's like a family home that's been like, in the family for like 50 or 60 years. How it's, old is this home? Like how old is the structure? Oh, it's it's extremely old. There's like no heat source. It's like Where in fire. Ireland? It's in Donegal. Oh. Wait, wait. Do you know where Donegal is? I was in Ireland over the summer, so I drove most of the country. So it's like northern coast yeah. right on the water. Yeah, I, I didn't go up there. Real quick uh, aside about Ireland. Is there any place not on the water in Ireland? I mean, surely you could find some inland stuff. Okay, cool. Water, How far is this place to Dublin? Oh, I think it's something like four or five hours. In other words, I will never go to this place. Yeah, very, I mean, it's northern actually, Ireland, right? It's, yeah, very few yeah. people go to this place just in general. It's extremely remote. It's like you've stepped back in time. Do you like visiting your families? Oh, by the way, he's the new executive chef at a big restaurant, whatever. Let's focus on <laughs> Ireland here. How do you like going to Ireland? Yeah, it's honestly one of the most beautiful and peaceful places ever. Okay, because when I think of northern Ireland, I definitely think of peaceful. Yeah, I mean... This area, honestly, Donegal is like so, so remote, and it's not impoverished, but it's like extremely humble. 
So. People don't know how this radio show works, but I was lucky enough to eat at your wonderful restaurant uh, for like the fifth or sixth time. But first time under eating your food, which is a weird thing to say to a human being. I don't know why that's a weird thing to say. To, that's like uh, if I, you meet a musician who goes, I've listened to your songs. Like, that's weird. Anyways, <laughs> um, I enjoyed it quite a bit. But we were talking after the fact of uh, where you live now. You don't live in Washington, D.C. proper, yet you are in Washington, D.C. proper literally every day. Yes. Where do you live? Don't give me like your address, but like how, yeah, describe yeah. the area. So I live in Howard County, Maryland, um, a small town called Clarksville. It is, I don't want to say it's the country because I think the people there would not refer to it as the country, mm-hmm. but I think most people outside of that realm would refer to it as the country. So do you think you've always been drawn to like this place in Ireland and into this, not in the country, but in the country part of Maryland, yet work in an urban center? I think it's happened in that way. You know, it's funny, like, I was like 23 or no, I was like 24 when I first moved to New York to start like really cooking. And I think before then, like I always thought I'm just always going to be in Maryland. Like this is my life. And then the minute I went to New York, like everything changed in sort of like my career and my life. And since then, it's always been like living in cities, like major cities. Okay. So the transition between New York to San Francisco and DC, I get that. That absolutely makes sense. But Mm. why leave Maryland at 24 to go to New York? I mean, there's obvious reasons, but what was the thing besides, you know, jobs and following your dreams and passion? What was the thing about where you ended up in New York? Why did you do it? Yeah. So I think that, man, this is, (laughs) um, I had just come out of a relationship, Mm -hmm. of course. Yeah. And, you know, like I was at a crossroads in my career where I felt static and I, I can be extremely impulsive at times. And it, it was just like a 100% impulsive decision. I think I remember like planning it for like two weeks. Okay. And then I literally, this sounds so cheesy, but I went to New York with like all these resumes in my backpack. And the notion of resume seems very archaic. Right? Yeah. Uh, but like literally I just went down the Michelin Guide and I was like just handing out these things. And I, they probably thought I was the most ridiculous human ever. But that's how I got the, my job at Public when I worked there for like two years. Which is not a bad spot. Yeah, no, no, no. It was, I mean, it was great. You know, I was, I learned so much. And, but it's funny to think about how that happened. You know, in that I moment. don't think that that's as crazy as you make it seem because it, I, I, this is, now I'm just going to speak in inspirational posters, but like 90% is just <laughs> showing up and you literally showed up. With, oh, shut up, Jack. Uh, shut up, Jack. Shut up. People in the line are very upset. I'm yelling at the producer. Thank you so much for being here, Tay. And this is the second time we talk, and I'm literally yelling at a man while complimenting you at the exact same time. This is brightishjunkthings.com. We put out a lot of great content. But no, you literally showed up. You literally made yourself invaluable. That's that's it. It's not that complicated. It's difficult to do. It's difficult to understand that, especially like what was this like 13 years ago? Yeah. Because I think we're like the same age. I'm 35. Yeah, I'm 35 as well. Yeah, that means we're the same age. So like, <laughs> this is pre, pre-Instagram where you could just, like yeah. people couldn't see your cooking as easily as they could now. Have you hired anybody based on Instagram? I have not, but that is a thing that is very real. What do you think about that? Because you're, com- you're working for a company now that's very social media friendly. Mm-hmm. I think that the reality is that with how the restaurant industry has grown, it's totally disproportionate to the amount of cooks that you need versus the amount of cooks that are actually out there. So like every platform you can have to sort of like connect with a cook that could come work for you, you need it. Okay, so you're saying there's not enough chefs, there's not enough cooks. I, I believe that. I mean, Really? Like, you know, every, every year, like there, there's always, in my mind, God, I'm, I'm just 
talking about this, but like, especially what, like when you see it in San Francisco and in DC right now, where there's like so many restaurants are opening right now, you know, like you're in constant competition to like, not just get talent, but get cooks, get employees, you know, yeah. and, and like there's a finite amount of them and like, you know, like the restaurants will continue to open and that's the reality. Do you think, okay, so let's, let's go back a little bit further. Uh, you go from New York, you work at public for two years and then where do you go? Uh, I came back here and I was... I came back and here, here being Baltimore, correct? Baltimore, yeah, yes. sorry. I opened a very, very tiny restaurant called Demi in Baltimore and I was the executive chef there for like two and a half years. Um, yeah, that was a crazy time. That was very awesome for me. It was sort of my first chef job and it was homecoming and it was, it was just a lot of things and it was funny. I still look back at that time like very, very fondly. You know, like I think your first chef job is the one that you really remember. It really sticks with you. So you were roughly like 26 when you became... I was 26, yeah. Do you think that's too young to be an executive chef? I don't think there's a point that... Let me, let me clarify this. I think that your development can be challenged if you don't seek out things beyond... So you get your first chef job. If you plateau out and decide, I'm going to be a chef for the rest of my life, like your development might be challenged. Not everybody, you know. But for me, like after that job, like I took steps back in terms of like my role and title, like very intentionally because I wanted to keep growing. Um, but that was like an intentional thing. I didn't. I remember doing that job and cooking that food and feeling like there was a lot of high moments, but also feeling totally exposed so many times. Because How so? There was so much I didn't know. And I mean, I think that's a really natural thing. Like for any time you get into a, the next step, mm -hmm. you know, inevitably there's so many things you just don't know. And I, I remember being not limited, but feeling like, man, I'm making food that I really believe in. But there were many times when I was like, this seems really hard. Do you, th well, it was going to seem hard regardless of the restaurant, regardless yeah. of the area. But uh, there's, I think it's fair to say that there's a big difference in the San Francisco, New York, and D.C. versus the Baltimore dining scene. Oh, dramatic. Yeah. Okay. I'm assuming there's not nearly as many restaurants opening in Baltimore on a consistent basis. Yes. Far fewer. Yeah. So there might not also be a chef shortage in Baltimore. Uh, that's an interesting way to look at it. Um, it's funny. I don't remember staffing ever being as hard there as it was in San Francisco. Okay. Now, you, you stay in Baltimore for two and a half, two years. Yeah. Um, I took a lot of time off after that to travel through Asia, just some like extensive staging and just trying to eat a lot of regional food, trying to be inspired by food. How long were you in Asia? Uh, four and a half to five months. That's a, a handful. How did you have like a backpack? Uh, I had two bags, two bags, one, one very large backpack. Um, yeah, it was, I was very much by myself the whole time. Uh, it was awesome though. I ate a lot. I feel like I experienced a lot, but it's, it's funny. I, I think the first time you go, because it's so new to you, there's only so much you can really absorb. Like mm -hmm. I've always thought since then, like when I go back, I will be able to learn so much more about food. For the people listening home, just so you know, Asia is a continent, not a country. <laughs> it's very large. Where in Asia did you go? Uh, Korea. Okay. Thailand, Hong Kong. And that's where I really devoted a lot of time. Okay. Uh, so like a month in each and then occasionally yeah, going back longer, and forth? Longer in Thailand. I was there. I was staging at a restaurant called Nam, um, which is like kind of... So you were working yeah, when you were out there. Yeah, I was there um, in Thailand, yeah. Okay. I, I went to Thailand specifically because I love Southeast Asian food, but also like this restaurant, Nam, for, if, if you haven't heard of it, it's just, it's run by the chef David, um, oh my God, David Thompson. And he, <laughs> he is just like an iconic man. Like he was the first chef to ever get a Michelin star for Thai food. And this was when he was in London and he's just... He's like the equivalent of like a really old school French chef, like resurrecting all these like sort of heirloom Thai recipes. And I was just like totally captivated by it. 
And um, so I was there for like three weeks staging and honestly, like everything was over my head and I just felt ridiculous there every day. Do you realize you speak faster when you're speaking about other people's food? I think I talk fast in general. No, here's why. <laughs> I think you're, you're so passionate. You, like, I could hear the joy in your voice talking about three weeks of being over your head. Yeah. You're, you're pretty much just bragging like, I don't know what the hell I was doing, but I was learning from this dude that's amazing. And you sounded excited about that. There is excitement. There was fear for sure, but there was excitement every day. Was that the most fearful you've ever been in a kitchen? No, no way. Okay. I, I remember when I first started working at Public, like, I'd only worked in like suburban restaurants in Maryland and Baltimore. And when I first got to Public, it was like... It was my first glimpse of like a one-star Michelin kitchen, and it was my first glimpse of like a chef who had that sort of intensity that is so cliche nowadays. Mm -hmm. And I just remember seeing that and being like, wow, I'm scared. Yeah. Okay. I'm legitimately scared. Uh, but, the last, but side note, he's gone on to be like one of my best friends and like we talk almost every other week. So. That's what people in abusive relations say all of the time. <laughs> I just want to make that clear. Yeah, but, but the idea of an angry chef just seems to be like, if you're not angry, you're bad. I wish it wasn't that way. But is that is it fair to say that that's a stereotype that is very commonplace? If you're not angry, you're less compelling to the public. Okay. So do you I think, think that, that is how often people look at it? Okay. Do you think you need to put on this air of anger to impress people? No, I don't at all. Honestly, like I have that's ever since I've gotten into upper management and just been a chef, it's like I think it's always the struggle that you have like in terms of like how do I balance this? How the hell do I like sort of like get what I need to get done and like express my passion, but like not make people feel terrible. And I think like every year I'm trying to like, every year I realize that I'm not a better person when I am angry in the kitchen. And That's I don't, a, I don't cook better either. You don't cook better. I don't know. Could you tell that you're cooking poorly when you're angry? I think for me, I'm just so distracted. Like when I'm angry, like it's, it's so stupid sounding, right? But I always tell the cooks, I'm like, you know, when you're happier, the food tastes better. Like, if you don't love your job, the food isn't going to taste good. And I, there's an element to that that is totally true. Do you think you're a minority in that sense, that you want your staff to be not afraid of you? Or do you still want them to be afraid of you? Oh, man. Is fear a motivating tough. factor in a kitchen? It's like, how do you achieve proper discipline? And it's like this really like challenging balance, yeah. right? I don't want... I think the best case scenario is that the people that work for you work as hard as you want them to do because they're constantly inspired by how hard you work and who you are. I don't know. That is not the case. Frankly, that, unfortunately, that is just not the case in most places. Like, really? It's, the kitchen is challenging, man. And it's, it's, sometimes it's designed in a way that like, enables that kind of behavior that you're alluding to. And like, yeah. that's unfortunate, man. Like, I, I think that that's super unfortunate. You spend four months... In Asia, a lot in Thailand, you come back, to, but this time you go to San Francisco. You don't come back to no, Baltimore. No, I actually came back to Maryland. You go back to Maryland. Okay. And then I went on to be the executive chef at a really large sort of like casual restaurant in the meatpacking district in New York. And that was just like a gigantic undertaking and like a challenging time for me. What was so, I mean, besides the, the scale of it, what made it so difficult? Everything in New York is harder at all times. Um, and, you know, I learned... Oh God. Clearly, I, no, no, I just want to make you feel more comfortable. I don't like New York, and I'm looking into uh, a New York uh, native's eyes while I'm saying this, and I'm yeah, pointing. Wow. Yeah, not a fan. Hmm. Are you Says a, the Chicago guy. Yeah, that's right. 
I said that confidently with vigor. I, yes, I love Chicago. Damn my, right my, you do. It's the best yeah. American city in the world. Okay. Amazing food. That's city. why I said American city in the world. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> why don't I qualify that within the world? There's multiple Americas. That's why. Still pointing at Jack. Okay. So, what made uh, working in the meatpacking district, and you said it was a large scale Yeah, restaurant. honestly, I, you know, I'd come back from Asia, and I wasn't really sure what I was going to do. And I, I remember having this offer to do this job for an opening restaurant. And opening restaurants are tough, you know, like, no matter how much you try to clarify exactly what the ambition is and what the, the style is, you know, like, so many things change along the way. And I, I remember, man, it's weird. I remember vividly thinking, like, I don't want this job. But if I get offered this job, I don't see how I would be able to turn it down. And it was one of those scenarios. Because you would feel like people would know that you turned it down? or Because of the lore of New York, because it was a chance to go back to the city as a chef. And did you... everything in New York seems limitless. You know what I mean? Okay. There's an element of that. And like, I think that like, I didn't do enough research about what that job would be and what that area would look like to know whether or not this was going to be a good fit. But then... You know, I, I've spent a lot of time thinking about that point in my life just because the restaurant itself was such a departure from the things that I like about food. Sure. Um, but, and this, again, like, I sound like Mr. Rogers, but, like, I would not be here in this mm-hmm. moment had I not done that job. Absolutely. You know, like, I would not have been chef of the progress. I would not have done those things. So I don't, I'm not a chef, shock, uh, but you said something interesting in, in, in that last question that I don't necessarily know why you said it's harder to open a restaurant and i'm throwing in the fact that isn't it harder to take over a restaurant that is known like you are doing now Hmm. okay so yeah i totally hear what you're saying i think it's harder the two things are very challenging in very different ways i think that the first one when you're opening a restaurant like everything the potential is amazing because there's no systems anything you can create every single system you can create what everything looks like uh, but then the opposite of that is there's no systems. You have to create everything that sure, happens there. Sure, sure. And there's so much room where you can go wrong there and everything okay. can change. Uh, I think that there's a different and a very unique challenge to taking over a restaurant like I have um, just because of the expectations. Like the beauty of a new restaurant is that like for the most part, the expectations are just going to be that, like what's it going to be? You know, like when you take over something that already exists and people have all these preconceived notions about like the expectations like – well, there's always this basis for comparison. Yeah. And, like, you know, that's been something that, like, we're, we sort of deal with every day. And, like, we sort of try to adjust the best way we can to at CCDC. So do you refer to it as CCDC? <clears throat> because it sounds like ACDC or because it's easier? It's just as many syllables as Momofuku. But be, yeah. people usually think of Momofuku, like, either not DC. I think that's why, that why I refer to it, like, okay. consciously as CCDC. Okay. You know, but it is hard to say. Yeah. Okay, so uh, I would disagree because uh, even if you're opening a brand new restaurant, if it was ever a restaurant, if the space was ever a restaurant, that's you're going to get that comparison yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. And if you're in a brand new build-out, you're like, who's gentrifying this neighborhood and for what reason? True, so yeah. there's, always, there's never a not a comparison. It's never not hard, for sure. Okay. Great. Um, Meatpacking district doesn't work out. Then you go to San Francisco? So I, after that, and again, I shouldn't say that it didn't work out. Like I, I had like so many amazing connections from that time. And, you know, like I learned so much about like this business. I learned Mm -hmm. so much. My, my perspective was so much broader after I left that building. You know, I remember being really challenged while I was in it, but afterwards being like, 
holy shit, I know so much more about what I personally need to do next. Yeah, and what next was? Uh, so my girlfriend and I, we um, took like five months off and we went to Europe. Um, again, like I, I devoted a lot of time to staging, but more so we were just we were just eating and just like... Could you please explain us what staging means? Yeah, of course. So essentially you go and get to be unpaid labor in a kitchen um, in hopes that you will learn something from these restaurants. So you're a kitchen intern. You are a kitchen intern. Do you get to put that on your resume? I'm serious. Uh, I mean... Or do you even need a resume at this point? Not you in general, but like chefs in general. I wouldn't write that on there. Okay. I I think that a lot of people do, but I I just think that it opens you up to criticism. Okay. Okay. So where in Europe? Because once again, Europe is a continent. Yeah, it's very big. It encompasses many countries. Yeah. So where in Europe? Uh, So a bunch of different places, actually, but mainly Paris um, and a very, very old school... A French restaurant called Michel Rostang. Okay. And I remember like when I was going to Europe, I, I remember saying to my boss at the time, I was like, I want to have like a rustic experience and I don't want to go to something that's like extremely, extremely Michelin fine dining. Yeah. And Michel Rostang was like two star Michelin since like 1970. So like it's like the equivalent of like a, a very, very old Danielle or something Shit. like that. And that was cool for me. I've never really cooked in a classic French kitchen. And I just remember being like, this is crazy. This is, it was really eye opening. Are classic French kitchens very quiet or very loud? Because I feel like it's one or the other. I th- no, it absolutely is one or the other. I think what I found was that during prep and during the day, there was like virtually no talking. And during service, there was not a lot of talking except for when the chef was yelling. Okay, so it does check those stereotypical boxes. Yeah, I, like everything about it was like, I was like, man, this is exactly what I expected it to be. Do you do your own laundry when you're... Uh What's the front? What's the kitchen intern word? I apologize. Shop, shoot, say it again. Staging. Staging. Uh, when no, you're staging, typically restaurants will just provide linens. Okay, so they have a they have a laundry service that's like bleaching the coats and everything Most every of day. Them. Okay, yeah. that's very important to me. Do you have that at Momofuku? <laughs> yes. CDC? Okay, we cool. Did. Yeah, but you're not wearing whites. Uh, I will some days, just depending okay. on how I feel. So you have the option. It's not like color coded. It means something else. I don't think so. Okay, cool. You would know. I don't look at it that way. I'm not in the industry, (laughs) and you are. Okay, so you you spend five months uh, traversing around Europe cooking for people for free. (laughs) Thanks a lot. Uh, Then where do you go? Uh, Then we came home, and we sort of relaxed for a bit, and then uh, we moved to San Francisco. We drove. I, I moved out there first. Just because I needed to go, get like start staging and just sort of like seeing around and seeing what jobs I wanted, um, and then my girlfriend drove cross country and we sort of we found a home together out there. And was it in San Francisco proper? Yeah, it was in the Outer Richmond, so like right by the Golden Gate Bridge. Uh, what was uh, more expensive rent, New York City or San Francisco? San Francisco, by okay, a, a great. large by a large margin. Uh, good to know. Which is terrifying to think about. Well, now you're in D.C. You're probably the only person that's uh, been on the show that thinks D.C. rents are cheap in comparison to everywhere else. Comparatively, it is, like, which is insane to say, right? Because it is. It should not be this expensive. Yeah. The rent is too <laughs> damn high. Remember that reference, everybody? Okay, so we're in San Francisco. How long are you next to the full house, uh, full house and the Golden <laughs> Gate Bridge before you decide uh, enough of Silicon Valley adjacent, I have to leave? So I worked at the Progress for... Two years and eight months, and you seem to have a time limit on all these gigs. You notice that? No, it's, it's about two years and then five months in a different continent, oh, and you're running out of continents. I, uh, I know you have South. America, you have all. Oh, oh my God, that's going to be amazing. There's always a place to go. Yes, um, but I, I think that it was more just we. So I started the progress. I did not start as the chef de cuisine. I mm-hmm. became the chef de cuisine after like three months, 
And I remember like when uh, Stuart offered me the job, we just sat down and like I had all these this huge list of things that I personally wanted to accomplish and that I wanted him and I to accomplish together. And you know, it after like that sort of two and a half year span, like I, we were just looking at that list and like we just felt like we had accomplished so much and like probably a lot sooner than him or I thought that we would. Okay. And it, it was just man, like I. I wish I got more of a chance to talk about that time because it was by far the most special time to me. And like Stuart and Nicole, for people who don't know them, like they own the progress and they own state bird provisions, which is, which are both sort of like iconic and like state bird is like this global icon restaurant. And they're just like amazing people. Yeah. They're like really, really amazing people. They're like sort of like the epitome of like kind of what's right in the industry. Like they're this, they're a family that, and they love each other. Yeah. You know, they work together every day. They open these restaurants together with no one else. And like, they believe in hospitality and they believe in creating like the right environment. And like, it's sort of shown through the reception that people have had to their food. And it's just, it was a very, very awesome time. seems like that's the perfect job. It was a very special time for sure. But I think we, Stuart and I both knew that there was a finite amount of time that I could do it because I needed to be an executive chef. Okay. You know what I mean? I was the and chef. that was never going to happen there. Yeah. No, I mean like Stuart is like, to his credit, like he's a working chef, you know what I yeah. mean? Like he, I was the chef de cuisine there and like I was tasked with running everything day to day, but like Stewart was, he's not the kind of guy that's not there. You know what I mean? So th- if, if let's say you could have become executive chef, would you have ever left? Yes. Just okay. because of family. Okay. I mean, like I, I knew, I knew that I wanted to get back home and I think every year it was just getting, I always tell people the urge was getting stronger mm-hmm. and like that is true, but it was also getting harder. You know what I mean? I think harder to not work in the harder area? Harder to not be around my family. You know, okay. I think that, like, my this, my my parents are getting older. Naturally, yeah, no, I get that. Parents are aging. I get that. And, you know, like, I and more grandchildren are emerging. And I yeah. was just, every year I'd be like, man, how am I justifying this? Like, I'm not, like, 23 anymore. Like, I'm 35. I've spent, like, I've been fortunate to have a lot of amazing experiences. Mm-hmm. Like, I need to be home. Uh, and now you're home, and it's not a bad gig to have. Yeah, I feel very lucky. You're an executive chef at Momofuku CCDC. Yes. Uh, I really just want to talk about ACDC right now, but that is not appropriate. <laughs> what an amazing band. <laughs> Anyways, what are your thoughts on boy shorts? Anyways, no, we're going to talk about what you do for a living. Um, you took over a spot that, to me, did, had no real problems. Uh, it came in to D.C. with a bang. Everyone loved it. And then people were complaining that the menu was essentially a greatest hits menu. You come in. You change that menu drastically. Uh, it's very different. I still like it very much, but I'm one of the few people that didn't think it needed revamping. Mm-hmm. And we've already established that. I've said it two times into a microphone. The reason why I'm asking this for you is, like, did you feel compelled to change everything? I, I think that that was the discussion that Dave and I had mm-hmm. even before, like, I stepped foot into CCDC, that, like, whoever they were going to bring on, whether it was going to be me or somebody else, was it was going to be CCDC 2.0. Okay. And, you know, like, everyone internally was committed to the changes and was committed to sort of like reestablishing itself in a different way. The two things I think CCDC was known for was whatever Momofuku is known for, the pork buns and like the ramen. Mm. Is that fair to say? Definitely. Is it fair to say that, uh, well, it is fair to say because it's not. Neither of those items are on your dinner menu right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, we won't talk about other menus, but they're not on your dinner (laughs) menu. And uh, the thing that you're kind of trying to be known for is literally bread. Bing. You're trying to be known for Bing. 
We're trying to be known for a lot of things. I think the what's Bing, at the top of your menu, on the dinner menu. The Bing is okay. there for sure. Okay. Yeah. The Bing is a driving force. It's an yes. undeniably driving force right now. So wh- I like it a lot, but if you read about that, that makes no sense. Yeah, I mean, it's such a massive departure. Right? Okay, so why start with that? I think, you know, before when Dave and I first sat and we were just sort of like spitballing ideas and like insane ideas, just throwing anything out there. Uh, I always, I wanted there to be a bread program. And like, I remember like loose talks where I was saying to him and I was like, wouldn't it be cool if this was like a Middle Eastern restaurant and like we had meze and we had like flatbreads and like just constant dialogues like yeah. that. And like, I think we've always wanted to implement a bread program. And I, for me, as big a reason as getting away from the pork buns is just to get away from classics. It's to get away from something that we're not making. Like okay. the Bing is bread that we make every day. Yeah. The dough we make like actually twice every day. Um, and the buns, like everybody sources the buns. Sure. And like for me, like there's a lot more integrity in what we're doing right now with the Bing. I love the Bing because uh, they're very, very, very different. Yeah. And uh, I think I put this in the, the the writing. Like if you are afraid of food, get the cheese Bing because like it's cheese. You're going to yeah. like it. But if you uh, love seafood, there's so many things that will blow out your palate if you're like an old person that's afraid of spice and good yeah. things. And yeah. that's what I want. I want all the crazy stuff. But then you also have this like welcoming massive chicken thing where like, how do you not like chicken? It's chicken. It's yeah. just well-made chicken. But then you have like exciting uh, stews that are like full of seafood that once again will scare old people. What I'm trying to say is old people need to be more adventurous eaters. <laughs> Anyways. Yes. Um, I think that you've maintained this wonderful balance of very like comfortable, easy to get into, and then very polarizing food that probably not everyone's going to order, but the people that do order it, those are the things that they're going to come back for. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I think that like if we can connect to both people like that, then I think that's super important to us. If you're going to go uh, to Momofuku, what are you going to order on your dinner menu? From my dinner menu? Yes, from your dinner menu. Okay, so I would get at least four Bing. Like for me, I, every meal I want to start with bread. Uh, let's describe what Bing is for the people at home. It's a, it's not a, it's like doughy. It's do, yeah, it's fucking so, bread. Jesus Christ, I can't describe bread right now. Yeah, it's I like, get paid oh, to write. By the way, um, it's fluffy ish. It's fluffy ish. Uh, it's a little bit crispy on the outside. It's not dissimilar from naan, but it is not naan. It's, it's a mixture. It's okay. It's somewhere in between naan and then what's the Ethiopian. Uh, uh, pull apart bread. I feel real racist right now. Uh, injera? Injera, yes. Yeah. It's like a mixture between, the, it's somewhere in between those two, I think. Yeah, and, and also a little bit of pizza dough. Yes, and pizza dough, yes. And like, I don't know if I'm doing it right, but I just pull it apart and then I stick it into the dip. You were doing it right. Fantastic. Sure. Now, the dips is what you're referring to as the four different yeah. bings. I would definitely want a few different condiments. Um, the oyster one I, is my favorite by far. That sounded horrible on paper. I fuck, that's mine. I love that one. That's yeah. fantastic. I love that one. Sounds disgusting, though. Let's be realistic here. It does not sound like it would be nearly as delicious as it is. Exactly. <laughs> and it doesn't necessarily look that good in a bowl, not because you're doing a poor job plating it, but no, it, those are the ingredients that we're very, using here. It's from the vein of ugly delicious, yeah. if we can do that. Oh, yeah. it's so good. Okay, yeah. so that, that's, that would be on my list. What else? You said four. You'd have to rank them now. Oh, man. Um, you don't have to rank them. I'm just being a dick. I, I sound really basic when I say this, but like... I love cultured butter and like we source like a really delicious cultured butter and like I know that's simple but yeah I always want bread and butter yeah okay all right I get um, that I love the trout roe um, that also sounds disgusting that photographs really well it was very pretty that's that's like very that. pretty that's one I liked it I want the I want the other one so that's fair I want the heavy that's clearly bad for my heart <laughs> you know what I mean yeah okay <laughs> um, I like the cheese a lot I know it's simple like I'm 
Cheese is good. Cheese no, and cheese, bread is really good. Yes, cheese and butter. Controversial statements from chef. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then what are you also ordering besides your four binks? Because clearly four binks is more than enough for a meal. I know. It's way too much food. Uh, for the first course, like the hamachi that we have on right now, I, I think it's the total opposite. It's extremely light. Mm-hmm. Um, it just plays to the fish. Uh, I love the beets. It's been on for a while. Like it's been on so long that I kind of hate talking about it, but I no, love the dish. So I much. think you're highlighting a good thing. Uh, if you're vegan, you could actually go to this restaurant and be happy with your meal. Yes, for sure. Not just vegetarian, but vegan. Yeah, that's I don't know why you would be because you're denying yourself all the delicious seafood. But that's on you. Yeah. Maybe you have a shellfish allergy. Maybe if you just eat enough shellfish, you won't be allergic anymore. I'm just telling people how to change <laughs> their diets based on zero scientific fact. Okay, continue, please. Um, we do a beef dumpling that I love. I just think it's funky and spicy and just super delicious. Uh, and honestly, I've talked a lot about the chicken, so I kind of mm-hmm. want to highlight a different dish. I actually just put it on last week. It's this lamb leg steak that we're doing with like charred greens and um, some sweet carrots and then just like some bitter greens. And it's this kind of segue dish into spring. Okay. And I, I just love it. I just think it has so much flavor. How often are you changing the menu? I think we're on the verge right now of a major menu change. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So you would rather do it all at once rather than slowly bringing in one at a time? I would much rather do it slowly all at a time, but right now, like, produce might not allow us to do that. Okay. So how often are you going to farms? Uh, so we're, or we source through farms. We have farm accounts set up. Mm-hmm. So, like, we'll get deliveries, like, four times a week right now. Let's go through your daily schedule. When do you wake up? Uh, I wake up between 9.30 and 9.45. Oh, that's very reasonable. Yeah, it's not so bad. Great. Okay, so then when do you get to CCDC? I usually leave my... I try to leave my house by 10 every day. Okay. So wait, wait. You're just waking up at 9.45 and you're like, gotta get in that car. Yeah, I just... I shower and I go to work. I don't... Oh, I don't, you, I don't sh- do oh you still have time to shower. It's important to shower, man. I'm not <laughs> disagreeing about the importance of showering. Okay, so 9.45 you wake up. 9.45 to 9.46 you're in the shower. Yeah. 13 minutes later... I in the morning. I try to get to work. Okay, so you drive... What kind of car do you have? Man, this is embarrassing. Why is it embarrassing? All right, so like, I drive a Ford Escape, but I've had to drive. I've been driving my mom's car okay. since I got home, and it's like this white Volvo. And it, r- why are you? I don't and see it the says problem. Nene on the the fucking the license plate because like everybody calls my my grandma is Nene in okay. my family, so like it says that on the front and the back, and everybody's always looking at it. And every time I park it, I'm just like, man, I feel ridiculous. Because the license plate says Nene. Yeah, and, and then like in the parking lot, I'm dropping it in, like they call me that now, and it's like really embarrassing. Did you tell people like, oh, I feel embarrassed driving this car, Nene? No, because then I'm like, well, then I probably look more ridiculous trying to explain that to people. So like, I just this is the first time I've talked about it. I don't think let's that's, just move on. Sorry. No, let's focus just on this. I don't think that's embarrassing in any way whatsoever. You have a supportive parent that allows that lets you use her car because she believes in you and loves you as a human being. That's nice What's story. embarrassing about okay, okay, okay. this? I will fight these. These people. All right. These people are bad people. They should be appreciative that you're able to get to and from work and provide food to people. Tell them to shut up and tell them Brandon Weatherby, editor-in-chief of Brightest Young Things, sold you so. And they'll say, what is that? And they'll say, never mind. And then they'll focus on your... I've never once cared about anyone's license plate, ever. I've never noticed a license plate, ever. I've been hit by multiple cars, by the way. I should really focus on license plate. That's a true fact. Have you been hit by a car? No. Oh, really? Well, we're different people. Maybe that's why I don't drive cars and I'm not a fan. Okay, so you get to work at what time? Uh, by 11, unless it's really bad. Then so you're driving over an hour to work every day? Yeah, sometimes worse, but... Yeah. Okay, that sounds horrible. So you get to 11. What time does service begin for you? Well, I get there and lunch starts at 11.30. Okay. Uh, lunch ends at 2.30. Dinner service starts at 5. Mm-hmm. It ends at 
10 on the weekdays and then 11 on the weekend. So you're there roughly from 11 a.m. to 11 p.m. on a weekday if you're lucky? Uh, some, I try to leave a little bit earlier if I can because okay. most weeks I'm working six days. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, those are pretty typical hours. Now, weekends. You are working six days some days. Are you working the brunch shift as well? Uh, I try to get in a little bit earlier on the weekends just because the brunch we do is pretty busy. Yeah. The brunch you do, is that going to change? Yeah, I think that that will evolve for sure. I'm telling you right now, if it never evolves, I'm fine with that. I like the brunch as it is. I don't see a reason to change it because it's not just like, here's your eggs and here's a mimosa. Yeah, that's true. What are your thoughts on mimosas? I, they're great. Great. Okay. Do you care that much about the bar program or the beverage program? Yeah. I, I know you can't say no, but like, does it ever impact what you're going to put on the menu? No, I think that like, I have to just cook what I believe in. I got okay. honestly straight up, man. Like, I have to cook the food that I love, and like the like we have an amazing bartender and like sort of mixologist. He's he like we have a constant dialogue about food, but like he's really good about trying to like adapt to like the flavor profiles that I've brought. Yeah, you know. So, do you feel compelled to cook? Like, if you weren't doing this, what would you be doing? Or is the answer I would just be a, a, a line would, cook? I would be a teacher. One hundred. Be a teacher. What would 100%. you teach? Uh, I don't know. Not the culinary yeah. arts. I went to, honestly, man, like I never thought I was going to be a chef. You know, really? I, I cooked at a young age because I loved food and I, got, I grew up in a huge family. So I was like, if you want to eat, you better cook something. Yeah. Um, but you know, I went to college for, uh, sociology and political science and I always thought that I was going to be a social worker or a teacher. Okay. Political science. You clearly follow politics or at no, one you, point. You did. can't ask me anything political. Yes, I can. Um, how often do you have someone in the restaurant and you're like, I recognize this dude. I wish this dude wasn't here, but I will provide the best service. I'm not asking you to name names. That's why. It's fine. How often does this come up? Has it ever come up? Uh, I have not encountered this scenario yet. Okay. I think you're a dirty, dirty liar. Uh, <laughs> thank you for not being honest, but I respect that completely. <laughs> I work for Brightest Young Things. I think you know what side of the aisle we uh, lie on. Yeah. Uh, the wrong side. I don't know what you mean, Dick. Um, do you worry about getting lumped into everything David Chang? Could you clarify? Yes. When you walk into Momofuku, there's a Momofuku cookbook that David Chang co-wrote. There's a Lucky Peach uh, collection of magazines that he is the editor-in-chief. Uh, right now on Netflix, Ugly Delicious was in my queue, and I finished it all. So I was thinking about that when I was eating your food. And in mm -hmm. Ugly Delicious, David Chang's like, we're trying to change everything in every restaurant that is a Momofuku or whatever I'm doing. But you're the one that's actually doing the thing. Yes. So, do you worry that you'll always be, as long as you're at Momofuku, part of that rather than this is my food? I think that, to Dave's credit, and I want to give him full credit here, he has been so explicit about whose restaurant he sees that. You know, like when we talked to Jessica Sidman, you know, he was he was just so forthcoming about saying like this is what Tay's doing. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like I support him fully. And like, I think to every media platform that we've had a chance to talk to, like he said the same thing. And like, he has endorsed all of his chefs. Yeah. I think there's way. like a new Vegas guy. There's somebody else that's new in the organization and on Twitter, like he's saying like, I'm so proud of blank because yeah. they won blank. And he's very open, at least in terms of like social media of who's actually doing the cooking. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like I think that that's one reason that I respect him so much is because like, Dave is never this guy who wants to take credit for anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he, so much of his food was just tremendously inspired by, like, very classic Asian dishes that he will always say, like, these are inspired by these dishes. Yeah. So what's inspiring you right now? Where are you getting your joy? 
and what is coming up on the menu that you're just like, I can't wait till people try with this? I think I'm just so happy to be coming out of this winter season. I just want to cook with green vegetables right now. I want to see peas. I want to see fawas. We're finally getting to start with like work with ramps. And I just, I'm really, really eager to move away from root vegetables for a little bit. That's I know that sounds like a weird thing to say, but that's great. Yeah. And I think that honestly, like for me, like in the warmer weather is when I'm going to, I'm just a lot more comfortable as a chef, you know, like the progress, like San Francisco, it's, it's the same climate all year round, Mm -hmm. right? So you're constantly inundated with amazing produce. And I think that like my style is way better suited to like warmer weather. So like, I'm, I'm really excited for the spring and particularly this summer to like really showcase that. Final few questions. Uh, If you have music on in the kitchen, what are you listening to? We rarely have music on in the kitchen, but I love if I get there really early and I walk in and they're playing Michael Jackson. Okay. I'm a diehard Michael Jackson. I am not for personal reasons and professional ones as well, for obvious reasons. Fair. I'm just not a fan of artists from Indiana. Oh, man. Yeah. Gary, Indiana. (laughs) That's why. That's the only reason. If not that, then 90s hip-hop, R&B for sure. Okay. And then uh, what do you eat at home? Or on the way to and from work? I almost never eat at home. Um, if I have a day off, I'm going out to eat. Where are you going? Uh, probably somewhere really lowbrow, but yeah. Give me a lowbrow recommendation. I don't want to tell you anything. Because, because you don't want anyone else showing up to these places. No, because I don't want people to know that's how I'm spending my days oh, off. Do you, okay, off mic, will you tell me? Yeah, of course. All right, cool, cool, cool. Uh, what we're going to do is uh, take a break, and we're going to come back with Best Weekend Bets really quick. You don't have to participate. You could just tell me what you would do if you ever had a free night, okay? Sure. All right, we'll be right back. Thanks for listening. Break music by Keto, K-I-E-D-O on SoundCloud. We are coming right back. Stay tuned. Every Thursday on BrightishYoungThings.com, we publish our best weekend bets. It's what to do in Washington, D.C. We also have additions for the LGBTQ community. We also have additions for the Chicago community and the New York City community because we record for Full Service Radio in the Line Hotel in beautiful Adams Morgan. We just focus on the DC edition, so I have to come up with these every week. And wonderful people, and sometimes horrible people, email me their events, and they say, hey, will you please write about this? And one of those people is on mic right now. What's your name, ma'am? Could you put her on? Thanks, Jack. What's your, what's your name, ma'am? Giselle Roig. Giselle? <laughs> Giselle, what is your uh, profession? I am a publicity manager at Brandlink. All right. Are you proud of your job or are you embarrassed Extremely. by it? Extremely. No, Good. I love my job. It's the best Good. job ever. Uh, could, we're going to talk about something really quick because it's Thursday night. It's the most important night of the week if you care about sports like I do. Uh, this is the night that Drag Race airs. You and I are, I'd say acquaintances. We are not friends. You do not know where I live. We are acquaintances. Actually, I do know where you live. Where do I live? Don't give the address up. But do you know where I live? I know you live by the, uh, the zoo. That's right. Yeah. Okay. We're getting to the real friends <laughs> relationship level here. But I'm like Kanye. Keep my friends very far away because they always try to steal my laptop and blackmail me for sex tape money. You know that song? Uh, I don't think I do. That's why we're not real friends. Jack, you know that song, right? Oh, yeah, that's a good reference. And like that, that is why we're real friends. See, that's how that works. Okay, so... Giselle, you and me are RuPaul's Drag Race fans yes. slash aficionados yes. slash we understand sports. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, chef, what is your favorite sport? 
Basketball, by far. That is the future. That is my favorite sport. Is but the correct answer. That is the correct answer. But Bulls are out. So um, but baseball, baseball is the number one sport for right now. Things are fluid. Number two sport, drag race. Number three sport, WWE. Number four sport, back to basketball. All uh, pretty much contact sports, right? Uh, Arguably. Ooh. No. A lot of bumping and grinding in both basketball and drag race <laughs> and professional wrestling. Not nearly enough in baseball. There was a fight last night. Jack, did you see the fight last night? I did not. No, who? Uh, Yankees-Red Sox. Oh, wow. No, I missed that. I was focused on basketball. You're damn right. Oh, who is your team right now? Who are you rooting for? Uh, That's a good question. I know. I I don't know. Anybody but the Warriors, I guess. Chef? Cavs, 100%. See, okay, just because you like LeBron and he's a social justice warrior? I remember watching his first game in the NBA, man. I love love LeBron. I don't give a shit about the Cavs. I want the Cavs to win because LeBron is on the Cavs. Yes, 100%. Okay, cool. So it's not like you're like, oh, I remember when Jordan hit that (laughs) jumper. Okay. Uh, So just not the Warriors, Jack? Why? I I, I don't know. I'm, I'm never going for the favorite, so... All right, fine. Uh, more important question. Uh, Giselle, who are you rooting for in Drag Race right now? Uh, Miss Cracker. Okay, so Miss Cracker is very high on my list, but hear me out. The Vixen, two reasons. Number one, I am also from Chicago, uh, and we are entirely too much of big homers. And number two, watch Untucked. Now, Chef, I know you're a big fan of Untucked, as you know. <laughs> Untucked is the half an hour program that airs after RuPaul's Drag Race with the Queens. You get to see what they say backstage. Most recent episode of Untucked, I think, rivals the greatest episodes proper of RuPaul's Drag Race because the Vixen is open and honest for the first time in Drag Race history. There's a big fucking deal about race and how race plays into this game and the perceptions of race and the perceptions of race on queens and specifically the perception of race in queens and fandom. It's essentially she's talking about stereotypes in a con- controversial way, in a con- not, not controversial, but clearly controversial, but a confrontational way that most people are afraid of. Most people don't like to yell at their boss to, to shut up, but I just did that earlier to Jack. Yeah, you love doing that. In front of all these wonderful people in the beautiful Line Hotel. Did I give a fuck? No, because I'm on the right side of history and Jack is wrong. <laughs> oh, wow. I don't wow, even remember wow. what we were talking yeah, about. Yeah, really. <laughs> but anyways... Uh, Drag Race airs tonight, so that's our one of our picks. Uh, Chef, let's say you weren't going to be in the kitchen tonight. What would you be doing? It doesn't have to be like a current thing, just in general. Oh, man. I have no idea. Fantastic. So tonight, for Washington, <laughs> D.C., I'm going to recommend uh, the City Paper's uh, annual Best of D.C. Do you have any clients that are part of this year's City Paper Best of D.C. party? Uh, I don't think so. But cool. Fingers crossed next year. There you go. You. I'm going to also recommend Lil Rel. He begins a run at the Arlington Draft House. Do you know who Lil Rel is? No. Uh, sounds familiar. Okay, Lil Rel is a great Chicago comic. Jack, do you know who Lil Rel is? Fantastic. So, uh, Lil Rel, you would know because he is the friend in Get Out. Uh, That's okay. Lil Rel. Yeah, okay, so those are my two Thursday picks. Uh, in addition to Drag Race, we're going to give three picks tonight. If you want more picks, go to BritishJunkThings.com. Friday the 13th is Friday. So you wanted to say happy birthday to every Jason in your life because every Jason was born on Friday the 13th. I'm going to recommend Church Night. Uh, it's their fifth anniversary at the Black Cat. So it's not their fifth anniversary at the Black Cat. The show is at Black Cat. They've been around for five years, hence my recommendation. I'm going to recommend the Nats uh, game because it's Sean Doolittle bobblehead night. Do you know who Sean Doolittle is? Nope. Nope. Jack, do you know who Sean Doolittle is? Nope. 
Sean Doolittle is the only Washington National player that is woke. You might remember Sean Doolittle because, well, you were working in San Francisco. He was the Oakland pitcher that bought out all the seats for LGBTQ night. That's that guy. He is now a gnat. It's it's a follow him on Twitter. No joke. If you go to brightishyoungthings.com and you click on uh, he's the best gnat, it will take you to his Twitter page. He was at a show at like U-Haul last night. Oh. He's like our age. Well, that I mean pretty much most everyone that's listening to this and in the line hotel is our age, and most <laughs> athletes at this point are a little younger than this. Anyways, uh, he's not a dick, so I'm going to recommend that. Uh, 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 chef, what would you be doing on a Friday night if you were not working? Uh, my, actually, you know what? My brother owns a wine bar in Howard County. I would be there drinking wine. Actually, but I would be there drinking whiskey. That's great. What kind of whiskey do you prefer? Uh, bullet rye. Why rye over bourbon? Uh, I just I just like it. When you're making dishes, do you ever think of at home? I understand that you never cook at home, but let's you, you occasionally put food together. Do you ever bake bake Jesus? Do you ever make the food based on what you're going to drink or want to drink? No, never. Okay. I just need to eat as fast as possible. I understand that completely. Giselle, do you have any drag race related picks for Friday night? Uh, I do not at the moment. That is a big disappointment. <laughs> I'm going to recommend a former BYT artist to watch Ezco. He's got a show at Songbird. Moving on to Saturday, Saturday, March 14th. Uh, there's a lot going on on Saturday, March 14th. It's actually nice in Washington, D.C., and that never happens. So I'm going to recommend uh, the most basic, boring, free event, which is the National Cherry Blossom Festival Parade. That's on Saturday during the day. I'm going to recommend Lucy Dacus. Dacus? Dacus? Dacus. Dacus? I opened for her once with Odetta. Uh, I'm assuming this was in New York. Yes. I'm assuming this was 2016. Uh, that sounds about right. What is? I don't want to be pretty anymore. What's it? What's yeah, this? I don't want to be funny anymore. That's it. What a great song. She's got two sold out shows at Rock and Roll Hotel. I think the reason why it's still two sold out shows at Rock and Roll Hotel and not at 9:30 Club is because my other pick is that they might be Giants at 9:30 Club, which is also very very sold out. That's awesome. Here's my promise. Uh, anyone here could chime in. Do you know who they might be Giants are? Yeah. Do you know who they might be Giants are? Fend- Jackie clearly knows. Oh who yeah. They are. Uh, if you have a child and they like They Might Be Giants, you have a kid that's, like, really smart, right? Like, no dumb kids like They Might Be Giants. Sure. <laughs> you think they're... Okay, great. So thank you for... That's how you port... That is a good uh, a note. Uh, not everyone that likes They Might Be Giants is smart. That's a stereotype, but it's a positive stereotype, so I'm still going to spread it. Finally, Sunday is part of the weekend in Washington, D.C. I'm going to recommend something I never thought I would recommend for as long as I've ever done doing this. I'm going to recommend Sean Penn reading from his debut novel at Politics and Prose. Because if you've ever wanted to see Madonna's ex read from his debut novel at Politics and Prose, Sunday is your night. Uh, I'm also going to recommend uh, Hooray for Riff Raff and Waxahachie at 930 Club. Two very solid shows at 930 Club this weekend. Chef, if there was something you would do on Sunday that doesn't involve working at Momofoku CCDC, what would you be doing? Sunday is family day for oh sure. Oh my gosh. I'd be at the farm. Do yeah. you like, what, what kind of farm do you have? Uh, it's a non-working farm, but it's like 24 acres. Damn. Just like you can walk around with no clothes. It's great. Why would, I mean, you could do that in a city. Do you ever, have you It's ever, extreme privacy. It's amazing. There you go. <laughs> if you love extreme privacy so much, why are you working in a city? This is what I'm doing right now. Okay. All right, I think you just gave us a hint about your future. <laughs> I'll be a recluse. Uh, Giselle, do you have any drag race related picks for Sunday? No, I don't. <laughs> Jack, do you have any drag race related picks? I unfortunately don't. What is wrong with you people? Don't you care about culture and sports? I'm unprepared. 
WWE is the most important political show, and Drag Race is the most important sport we have. We have to open our eyes to the reality of which we live. Go the Vixen and Miss Cracker. That would be a wonderful tag team. I would also like to see that pitcher-catcher combination that ties it to baseball. Uh, Chef, people could see you at Momofuku. But they can't because you'll be probably cooking and or running the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Uh, how often are you actually in the line? Uh, I, mean, I try to cook at least a little bit every day, just jumping back and forth. Ugh. It's important. I, I can imagine. How, when was the last time you felt like you actually had a long day or the day didn't just run by? Uh, every day is a long day, realistically. Do you keep a journal? I don't. Do you I remem- have at different times in my life, but I don't know. Do you remember like what happens day to day at this point? Because there's got to be a lot of different. There things. is an endless stream of emails, be- like amongst the chefs. So yeah. like, everything is recorded in some. I understand that part, but like in terms of like joy, you know, and reflection, oh. do you have any of that? Uh, I do not keep a log. For cool, that. cool, 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 cool. <laughs> You're gonna forget all of this. You'll never remember that this happened. Giselle, you got any drag race related plugs? just say live your life walking in purse first that's right that's a reference to bob the drag queen one of the most fun drag queen names of all time bob bob the drag queen uh people should make reservations in momofuku it's weird to plug a restaurant man i don't know it's you you know where it is people it's the only thing in city center worth going to uh that place is a wreck except for you guys so congratulations on that why are you laughing giselle if you're gonna it's an audio podcast you need to laugh out loud don't cover your face that that defeats the purpose of this no yeah okay whatever it's true i saw it thank you so much jack uh jack you got anything coming up this weekend you want to plug nah fantastic um Hopefully, uh, everyone has a wonderful and safe cherry blossom weekend and their allergies don't explode. Uh, Chef, I will be back for your bing. That sounds incredibly racist and weird, but it's not. In context, it makes complete sense. Uh, Thanks for listening, everybody, and have a wonderful night. Thanks for listening to this program on Full Service Radio, broadcasting and recording from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. Full Service Radio programming can be accessed live and archived on fullserviceradio.org. Our talk programming is available on most podcast apps like iTunes and Stitcher, and our DJ sets are available on mixcloud.com slash fullserviceradio. Full Service Radio features over 30 weekly shows and over 50 local hosts covering every topic imaginable. If you want to be a guest or get involved, email us at info at fullserviceradio.org. Follow us on Twitter at FullServiceRDO, on Instagram and Facebook at Full Service Radio. Thanks for listening.